Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Prison, prison, prison. Life matters, it's strange in the sound of my people and what's sad 
All right, beautiful people, thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, give my shout out of love to everybody on both sides of the wall. We've got to get started with this really powerful show. It is jam packed. We are starting with Kwame Teague, an imprisoned scholar. Morning,
originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I, I spent a lot of time in Baltimore. And, of course, I spent plenty of time on the basketball court going to war with dudes from Newark who got some. They got some on that basketball court. But, but, I, want to get back, <laughs> but I want to get back to Dutch. And, you know, uh, you know, you know, they say, Kwame, that sometimes art imitates life. And I want to know if Dutch represent somebody like Bilal Prelu or somebody from, like, you growing up. You know, I know a little something. I'm not just throwing names out there. I, I see that. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I see, so, um, I, tell us a little bit about how what what made you or what inspired you to write about this character, Dutch, because I see a lot of um, symbolism and I see a lot of um, things that remind me of some of these good stars from the, the, the Brick City, man. Tell us about it. Right. And that, and, that, and that was what it was meant to be, you know, really bringing out individuals from, from my era, from my upbringing, from my, you know, from those at Circle who, you know, who really was a part of what molded me, what shaped me, what gave me my perspectives and gave me my understanding of what, you know, what it meant to be, you know, a part of a certain type of lifestyle. And so, yeah, Bilal and, and, and of course, Akbar and, 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 you know what I mean, the, the Wright brothers and, you know, different individuals who... I use these these soliloquies to to, to kind of paint a picture of who they were without without naming names or, or you know what I mean. And so I wanted to show love for these individuals. And so a lot of the stuff that I put in Dutch were 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 things that if you knew you knew, you know what I mean. And 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 if you didn't know, then it was still a good story. But you might have missed the fact that you know when when uh when um when Nina and Dwight in part two was laying it in, and he says, you know, we can't go on like this. And she says, you, yeah, you, I mean, you're right. And then everybody don't know that that's the OJs, you know what I mean, cry together. So I do a little stuff like that. It's just, you know, for those individuals who think like us, move like us, and come out of our generation, I'd like to put a little nuggets in there. Can I ask you, Kwame, um, now that uh, yes, you know, uh, this idea of, uh, you know, people that you grew up with and a certain lifestyle, um, and what about for for you? Like, what um, would you be willing to, you know, just share um, maybe some of your philosophies and uh, you know and ways of moving about your life uh, based on the characters that you've developed through, through that? Well, well, I mean, I was raised, you know, I was raised Muslim, and and and, and Nork is Muslim. I mean, Nork, when you go to Nork, everybody Muslim. Police Muslim, the crackheads Muslim. This corner store is Muslim. Everybody's Muslim. I didn't know somebody ate pork. I didn't even know they still ate pork until I was nine years old. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was something that was in the Quran that people used to do. Because my circle was, you know what I mean? We were ins ins insulated from the outside world in a sense. I mean, we existed within it, but not of it. And so, we, so, of course, I was surrounded by the Muslim gangsters and individuals who, you know, when they offered, when they offered a lot, you know, they, they, they were using, uh, uh, they, they had their, they coming in the mosque with the, with the, with the gators on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I, we, what the Catholic Church was to the mafia, Islam was to the streets for us. And so the respect and love that we got, it, the irony of it is that Islam teaches you brotherhood, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the school I went to when I was younger, you know, with so many Muslims, I mean, years later, when you would see these people, there was still a love for these brothers, you know what I mean? And, and, and that really, and ancestors, you know what I mean? And it, it, it engaged me, you know what I mean? Hard body. Um, and because of that, I've learned, I had a certain understanding of what the streets and what love and what the 
that the dean related to in a gangster sort of way, so if that makes sense, right? And that gave me my boundaries. But at the same time, you're still going on. You're doing what you got to do to survive and to thrive. Now, to, 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 to say that I was on any kind of level that, that was no, notorious, no. But I knew the life and I understood life because I lived it. And because of that, you know, I was around individuals who gave me better understanding of that life. But it, I got it hand in hand. I got this land and I got the streets at the same time. And so that colors my understanding of, of the world perspective to this day. Alhamdulillah. So you know what I mean? So so it's not just we hear this phrase, want for your brother, what you want for yourself. But what right. it is is what you are actually illuminating here is that this is just not a fancy cliche. This is a way of life. Of course. Out the gate. And it translates. So I think I mean one of the biggest things that or one of the biggest disappointments that I've had in the Ummah of today is that we haven't we haven't, as, as Muslims, we haven't stepped up to, to, to take over, to, to, to lead our people out of the darkness, not necessarily through theology, but through our footsteps, through our own center, if you will. You know what I mean? Like, in every hood and across the board, you know, we've got Muslims, we got the, the Sunni Muslims, we got Shia Muslims, we got the, the, the Nation of Islam, we got Moors, we got God bodies. All of these individuals who claim... You have 60 seconds remaining. No matter how different or distinct, but we still come with under we still come from that same ideology and we gotta get past the differences to understand the similarities because from coast to coast, but we supposed to all my supposed to be running this. We supposed to run a community. We supposed to bring out the community together. You should say on every level. On every level. There's no reason why we shouldn't be on the forefront on every level. You know what I mean? So and that's one of my disappointments, but at the same time that's also an opportunity because the time is now. You have thirty seconds remaining. I'm gonna call right back, but I'm I'm hoping that you know, as wishes, we can start reaching out across the board from coast to coast and create the type of, uh, of boards that say, yo, we, won't, we we about to step up. We about to step up. We won't put this thing together and stop letting people run around blind. Inshallah. Inshallah. Beautiful. But well, I'm about right. to call right back. Okay, we'll wait for call. Yeah, just, I mean, just to, just to touch on that theme a little, just a little bit more. I mean, when we look at the book game, you know what I mean? We talk about the major names in the book game. We talk about Alameen. We talk about Al Shadiq. We talk about Waheeda Clark. And a lot of people don't know that Terry Muslim. Terry name Amina, right? So when we talk about this, when we talk about, we ran the the, 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 the book game. When we talk about the music game, I mean, think about Rough Riders, Y&D, all of them, Muslims. You know what I mean? When we talk about Swiss, Muslims. When we talk about even Fat Joe, 5%, uh, 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 Khalid, down there in, in, in Miami, Muslims. So... We, we well represented it. We well represented it across the board in every aspect of the industry. You know what I mean? But yet, we still try to be of the industry instead of making the industry of us. You see that? We we run this. We bring this to the table. And so, if we was able to tap into that energy, man, and, and really, I think that we can really, really make a difference, man, across the board. Uh, in, indeed, of course. Yes, being able to be um, out front and calling your own thoughts, of course, is the way you want to go. Um, so I want to ask you about this new novel that you're working on, and is it reflecting this uh, new path forward that you're talking about here? Basically, I mean, the main thing is with the writing that I'm doing now, mm -hmm. I'm really gravitating more towards the stream, like screenplays and doing movies, right? So, you know, I'm right now working with uh, Manny Haley, 
Manny Haley used to be the manager for Keisha Cole and, and Nicki Minaj. He's now a producer, a film producer. I mean, he's really, really making, you know, pushing forward and making a name for himself. He put out True to the Game about two or three years ago. True to the Game 2 comes out Wednesday, the premieres in Atlanta. Dutch comes out as a movie two days before it's given intensively. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be before the end of the year. Um, I just filmed, I just finished shooting my, my pilot for a book I got called Dynasty. And in that one, we have Zing Reigns, we've got A.J. Johnson, Lisa Ray, uh, Drea Michelle. So we've got those, uh, we've, we've got these individuals. So the book the book game is now turning into the movie game. And the movie wow. game is, is, you know what I mean, is becoming the, the, the go-to because of the content. Everybody needs content, especially in this lockdown, because everybody want to watch TV. So we're coming with this, this. That's our next step. That's our next move, man. And, and so I'm really excited about Dynasty also doing a series that's going to be about Dutch, but it's really about Angel, you know what I mean, as far as, like, how Angel became Angel, and, you know what I mean, so it's female-orientated, I mean, it's it's really it's really going to be a real good, it's real good series, so that's where my focus has been of late. Well, congratulations for all of that movement forward, and um, that, that is so exciting. Okay, so uh, before we move uh, to Malik's question, um, I wanted to. I just wanted to give you an opportunity if there, if you want people to uh, go check out your work. Where do they go to get in touch with you? And we will get. We will say it again at the end of the show. But I also um, want to, um, in case people are just uh, starting to listen now. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I definitely want to 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 reach for people to reach out to me. You know, I love getting letters, and, and because this is encouraging for me, you know what I mean. To just let me know. You know, I'm being heard and, and being felt out there in the world. And for those who want to get in contact with me, you know, you just go to, you know, my name, Kwame Teague, and then my, my prison number is 040-1897. That's 040-1897. My P.O. Box is 600-600. Nashville, N-A-S-H-V-I-L-L-E, Nashville, North Carolina, 27856. So, you know, reaching out to me is really a blessing. I really appreciate that. But like I said, at the same time, I love for people to reach out to me that's, that have that they're trying to put things together, whatever that thing may be. Because as our people connect coast to coast, like if somebody's trying to put together a spoon business in Baltimore and somebody else is trying to put together a plate business in Texas, they don't know about each other. You know what I mean? They might not have any connections, but if they both connected to me, I could tell each other about the offer. And, you know, we might be able to create empires, or not necessarily might, but we'll be able to create empires through this network. And so that's why I encourage people to get in contact with me. Let's network, let's talk. I appreciate the love and the support, man. And, and, and you know, we just all keep each other moving. Thank you so much, Kwame. That is, that is just, it's that's such, I mean, what we're talking about, that's really just a love, right? And love and right. making those connections, making those human connections, especially, and, you know, with, with y'all inside and us out here so um you're just a beautiful human <laughs> thank you so much and um yeah i hope people will get in touch with you and i'm just so enjoying talking with you so i'm gonna um turn it over to malik to ask his beautiful question i can't wait to listen to the rest of this okay i sure appreciate that okay kwame um a, a lot of people that you know they they know about your literary work you know, these urban novels, I mean, they are just, they are amazing. And a lot of people know about your literary work. And we're seeing the transition, how the books are starting to be made into movies 
and it's amazing. But I don't think a lot of people know about the work that you do within prisons of helping to transform the minds, the hearts, and the souls of the brothers that you come into contact with daily and actually helping them transform themselves from a gangster mentality to a humanistic mentality where they have empathy and compassion for their fellow human beings. So with that said, can you tell me and our audience, our listeners, a little bit about humanism and the ideology of humanism and exactly how you move within the belly of the beast in order to transform the hearts and minds of the prisoners that you come into contact with every day. Well, I mean, humanism is a, is a religion, or, or it's not even really a religion, but I'll I get into this distinction in a minute. But it goes back, it's a philosophy that goes back, you know, hundreds of years. And even even back to our, it, it's traced back to Aristotle and, and, and Socrates and those four, these individuals like that. And the, and, and the basis of it is to have a humanistic, a human-centric philosophy or view of the world, right? So you can, you know, most people are, you know, based on Islam or, or Christianity or all of these religions that look to a higher power, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need that higher power. But sometimes when we keep our eyes aimed on a higher power, we forget to look at one another. We forget that the other person is just as real as we are, and it causes us to become us versus them. What humanism does, it starts from a secular point of view. Now, what many humanists lose focus on, or I should say even lose focus on, but what many humanists only only focus on is the fact that it attracts individuals who are atheistic or Gnostic on a stress because it doesn't have a creator attached to the philosophy. There's no humanist, humanist God, right? And so because of that, a lot of atheists and a lot of agnostics are saying, okay, well, I'm going to be a part of this. But... You can be a Muslim, a Muslim humanist as I am, or, or, or Judas humanist, or, 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 or for, a form of formals. These individuals, all that means is, yes, my belief is what I believe, but at the end of the day, we're all human and we're all connected, right? And so it's not on me to say that you're a bad person as long as you adhere to the things that make you good, right? So the prophet of Islam, peace be upon him, got along with the Jews and got along with the Christians. He, he sent us to, to, to Abyssinia because he, he said there's a king there, there's a Niger there who is, he, who is of God. He's a beautiful brother, so I'm going to send you there for protection. So there was, with the prophet, there was never a distinction between good people. Yes, there's a, there are those who are believers, they are non-believers. But at the end of the day, those non-believers still have a place in society, have a place in God's hierarchy. So humanism recognizes all this and ironically does it without a God because if you have a God over it, then no other God is going to be respected in that, in that concept. That's why I say that it's not a religion now. The Supreme Court, the Supreme Court recognized it in 1962 as secular humanism as a religion. That's why I fought for it to be established in North Carolina. Now, let me give you the, the, the insight on that. The main thing was Going around, you know, I would go to different religious ceremonies. I would go to the Rasta ceremonies, of course, Talim, and then Juma, and I would go to Christian services. And the whole thing was going to brothers and say, bro, we all got to come and follow. How do we solve this together? And each one would say, well, you know, this, this time right here is for Christians, or this time right here is for Islam, or this time right here is for, you know, Rastafarian. And, and I could knock that because that we only got an hour. Each religion is only slotted an hour a week most, you know, sometimes maybe two at the most. And so when I say, well, we, we have to create a space 
where everybody can come together. And so when I found humanism, then I said, okay, this is a good, this is a good place, this is a good foundation. And so I pursued it. And so the American Humanist Society got behind it. And, I mean, American Humanist Association got behind the lawsuit, pushed it through, took five to six years, North Carolina dug its heels in, but at the end, they knew they was going to lose, they lost, they were just dragging their feet. Now we have a space where if you want to come in and talk about Marcus Garvey, you know, as a historian, you can do that. If you want to come in and talk about uh, the Big Bang Theory as a physicist or scientist, you can do that because in, in, in humanism... Democracy, philosophy, mathematics, history, all of these are part of our quote-unquote religion. And that's why they fought it so much, because they didn't want a place where we could free the mind. One more thing about religion in here. Of course, you want to have a connection to a higher power, but what happens in, in a lot of services, a lot of worship, is you only have the God talking to you telling you what you need to do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. But at the same time, when do we get to express ourselves? When do we get to say, yo, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm feeling based on me? And so I had to create that space where we can not only exercise our spirit, but exercise our mind. I tell brothers all the time, bring your Quran, bring your Torah, bring your Circle 7. Let's build on topics, but we ain't going to argue. We're not coming in here to, 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 to match up. We're coming in here to build, literally build from where we at. And so that's what we've been doing up until, you know, the, the pandemic when we shut every, all, all services down. But we still have that spirit. And, and that was the main reason for coming along with humanism. Thank you for that passionate and detailed response. That's what I want to get at. I want to right, right. provide the space so our audience to be illuminated as to what humanism is about and you know, right. you, you know better than, of course, anyone because you're actually practicing it right now. Now, one right. thing that I wanted to um, ask is, I, well, I just want to say this. You know, the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper reaches thousands of prisoners that are in the belly of the beast in America. And we are about to launch a... A, a fundraiser on November 20th and November 21st, and I just wanted to thank you for just extending the help that you have to our National Black Newspaper and helping us with our uh, our plan of financial sustainability. I mean, you're actually just your unselfishness and that you're willing to cooperate with us and utilize some of your resources to help amplify our struggle has been amazing. And I just want to like tip my hat off to you and just say. Uh, thank you, Allah. Uh, thank you, um, Kwame, and uh, may Allah continue to bless you and your your beautiful, significant other, uh, Jay Renee. I'm going to go ahead and step back and let my beautiful queen go ahead and finish up the interview. Uh, thank you for your time, brother. I love you for the sake of Allah. I love you, too. Uh, word up, man. For real, I mean, and I appreciate this opportunity. And again, I want to salute you because you came home and you and you stepped into the responsibility because this paper is me. We need this paper nationwide. We got to have this paper. So everybody in my listening voice, I hope that they, you know, contribute, whether it be a dollar. I mean, we can raise money from in here. You know what I mean? That's a conversation we need to be having a little later on. But we can definitely be raising money in here straight off our car, the quarter here, down there. You know, I've met so many beautiful brothers in here and, and connections like like yourself and, and, and Kwame Shakur, little brother, love little brother, death. You know, we've got the same name. You know what I mean? And he's so strong and so passionate about what we need to do to come together, bringing the brothers together. Like, bro, this is a powerful moment for us as a community. Like, we're, the, the Bayview is going to be responsible for bringing together brothers 
leaders across the country from inside the prison and out. That is the most powerful moment we've had but since we've been on this continent. And that's not no exaggeration. Like, when brothers see... You have 60 seconds remaining. Brothers see what comes of this, they'll understand that there's no exaggeration. So, again, I salute you for taking it to, to stepping into this helm because, brother, man, we it, it, we got to have this magazine. There's no question about it. We got to have this newspaper and it's going to survive. Inshallah. Kwame T, thank you so much for giving those beautiful, those beautiful last words, and um, you are so appreciated. I can only just echo um, your we'll have 30 seconds remaining. And Malik, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that we can have another conversation as well. I feel like we could talk to you all day. Um, thank you so much. Uh, no if you doubt, can, man. in like 20 seconds, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Hey, just hit me at that, hit me that Kwame T. Put my, if y'all could, just put my address on where they could put it at. And um, just get at me, man, especially out there in the Bay, man. That's the blackest part of America, man. I love the Bay, man. I'm just here. All right. Good morning. If you are just tuning in, this is Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown, and I, along with Malik Washington, we're in conversation with Kwame Teague, who is, amongst other things, the best-selling author of the street classic Dutch Trilogy. You can hear this show or any past shows by going to wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Prison Focus Radio, and you can also catch it on the California Prison Focus website by going to www.prisons.org. We are now going to take a musical break and come back with Lisa Tiny Gray Garcia. Just or live equal as a nation. 
Yes, my country. All right, before we get started with our next guest, I do want to remind you that KPOO is in its fall fundraiser. So please show your support, come together as a community, dig as deep as you can. I know that these are very trying times, especially with the fact that um, I am, this is being recorded, pre recorded, the day after. Uh, the election. We are still counting ballots, but I know that this is a very sobering time for everyone. Please help keep this radio station going. This hour, of course, of Prison Focus Radio is very near and dear to my heart, and I know that it is important for the people behind the walls, our loved ones, our caged community members, and their families. So please, please consider this Um, important to the community by sending in your support to KPOO PO Box 156650 San Francisco, California 94115. You can also go online and make a donation there by going to KPOO.com. Please give to this radio station. We're only trying to raise, we're trying to raise only $75,000 by the end of the year. Um, so really skinny budget that they are trying that we are trying to operate on because it is such a valuable a part of the community and I hope you see it that way as well. All right, we are now going to hold on. If you haven't taken that deep breath for self care and realizing that. Your radical, revolutionary self-care is absolutely important for yourself, your family, and your community because we have to continue forward. Um, Again, very sobering times. This is very difficult um, considering that this, uh, the race for the, uh, the presidency, wouldn't really call it a presidency at this point, but nevertheless, it is close. So... We have to stay healthy and as strong as we can and look towards each other. We must come together collectively in revolutionary love to continue forward. As Ifuma has said before, can't stop, won't stop. Um, I do want to give one piece of news also. the day that, um, On the day that this air, uh, radio program is airing, Thursday, November 5th in 2010, police officer Johannes Merzeli is sentenced to two years for fatally shooting black 22-year-old Oscar Grant III in the back while he was face down on an Oakland, California train platform. Um, Unfortunately, I know this pain is still very present uh, for many people. Um... And many, unfortunately, too many families, mothers are holding this pain 
So can we please find some space for them as well um, so they do not feel alone because truth is we are not um, in this alone. We are in this together. All right, now you're going to hear a very powerful and passionate voice for poor and houseless people. This is an excerpt of a talk that we were having, Malik and I, with Lisa Tiny Gray Garcia of Poor Magazine. From day one um, of her... Who, who's um, her? Who's her? Oh, sorry, sorry, let me start again. Day one of the administration of Mayor London Breed, uh, her intent was to target, harass, and per- perpetuate the violence of sweeps and theft of belongings and lives of houseless people in San Francisco. She has not wavered. And in fact, when before we, before she wasn't even elected, she was saying that she was going to do that. And many of us, longtime poverty scholars, houseless mamas, folks in Frisco, uh, who've been fighting this struggle for a minute, were really afraid, knew that that was what was coming because, you know, her, her predecessor wasn't really much different. But she was on a new level of hate. And from day one, she got into office. She made a statement publicly uh, that she was going to take, quote, all the tents off of the streets. And then she proceeded to do that. She proceeded to do not once or not twice, but sometimes three to five times in one week from the same houseless person and so what did you have you had people literally walking around if they were lucky to have a blanket with them you had elders disabled elders in the mission barely able to sit down because the minute they did the minute their butts touched the ground there would be polized coming up on them saying you gotta move disabled elders uh, we did a, a project called Invasion of the Tent Snatchers. I want to lift up my sister Junebug, longtime Frisco and Poor Magazine family, Welfare Queen, along with me at Poor Magazine, and Queen Nande and others who um, created this research project where basically all folks who are on the street who are ruthless radio reporters for Poor Magazine were reporting and documenting theft of our tents and our belongings sometimes four to again to five times in the same week um it got so bad that basically people literally were hiding trying to literally hide even more than we usually do um so yeah this has not stopped this is a reign of terror and the only thing that kind of like you know what i mean like took it off course a little was covid Uh, Because then, as I'm sure you all heard and know, you know, she was given money by the Board of Supervisors unanimously to rent these motels. And then she refused to actually even rent all the motels. It was like a weird thing. And then she even got the money. And then the motel owners were about it. She was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And it was this weird fight back and forth, back and forth. Finally, some hotels were secured, I think over 500 at this point. Not as many as she was actually paid to get, but so So, Tiny, so tiny yeah. are, um, I have to ask a question. So, would you say, was there some graft involved with this money for the hotels, or is there just uh, inhumanity and lack of empathy of the homeless human beings? Is it graft, or is it lack of empathy? 
my brother Jeremy, also poor magazine fan leader Stella, he thinks and and I know some others at Purdue as well as myself that that it was an actual kind of a hate of houseless people, a class uh, hate. And I'm going to say class in this particular case um, because, you know, and this is real too. And I'll go on. I, I never bullshit about what I say. You know, um, she's from the Mo. She comes from poverty. And sometimes, as we know, people then internalize their hate for their own people. And I will say, I don't want to talk about people of color. I'm talking about poor people. Right, yeah. right. So we get it. Can, we, can we, we have a witness? Because, we get it. Exactly. Yes, okay? I, yes I get poverty it. Hate, poverty hate, poor people hate is just as deep yeah, as so-called internalized racism, internalized classism as deep as F. And my sister Junebug says poverty's culture, and I agree. And the reality is, is she has from day one turned on poor people in this city on in, in, endlessly. And it's, it's this bizarre situation. So to answer your question clearly, I think it's about that hate. And that's what a lot of us at poor think. In other words, and then... You know, I don't know if you guys knew, but we did this because uh, we're cultural workers and artists, too. So we um, we launched a, a, a film crew, a Mexican film crew led by Brother Israel, houseless on the streets of Frisco, one of a poor magazine family. And we um, we tried to check in to a hotel and, uh, you know, they stopped us at the door. And then but we got in. We got in because they believed our front. Anyway, it was a whole it's a whole theater piece, theater of the poor. That's what we do. And um, they very clearly told us, though, interestingly enough, they said, no, this is the mayor. This isn't us. We opened our doors. Um, and so then I also think, let's be real, it's also the Restaurant Association and the Tourism Board, because this is what Breed wants this city to be about. She wants the city to be about the biggest tourist stop in the world. She wants it to be the shiny, woo, 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 gentry effort palace. And poor people and houseless people don't fit into that equation, especially when you already hate yourself and not your past. Well, can you can, can you can you uh, talk a little bit about the part that HSOC plays in this? Because I just found out, and this is Malik Washington with the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. I just want to clarify that I just heard that Mayor Breed is actually the head honcho that's over HSOC. I, and I, I just want to know, could you tell us about HSOC and what they, what their part that they play in um, uh, yes. hurting our can homeless you, sisters and brothers? Yeah, and can you just unpack those uh, that acronym, making sure everybody knows? Um, but it's, the, the, it's, it's essentially one of the, the ways that it's supposed to give help to poor people right but it ends up being the 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 body that oftentimes leads the attacks but del seymour told me that when hsoc was first founded it was founded for to be actually treat homeless people more gentler it wasn't to exactly. hurt them and harm exactly. them exactly no it was it was started oddly enough by fellow houseless folks. I mean, we were invited at the time and some other people were. Uh, it was launched because of a pushback to make sure that houseless voices were being heard, right, etc. But it did then end up becoming this weird insidious arm of... The police. The, yeah. Healthy, healthy streets operation center. 
Exactly. Healthy then, Streets Operations Center. But what I've in my in my investigation, what I've seen is that what they do is they criminalize just the fact of being poor and homeless. They yeah, they hurt completely. these people. Yeah, completely, I, completely. Right. No, you're you're absolutely on point. Um, what they have been from the gate is a front, actually, so that you can have more policing of poverty, and that's all there is to it. I mean, it's straight up. Uh, you're completely you're completely on point on that, and what it's caused is the ongoing predation of poor people's bodies on these these stolen, occupied Yalamu streets. Um, it's caused. If anything, it's caused people to be um, more surveilled when they're on the street. And yeah, we from all of the ruthless radio reporters, we got nothing that's got anything to do with help from HSOC at all. So again, yeah. Excuse me, Tiny. Um, new yeah. our, our managing editor at the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper and the host of Prison Focus Radio, Nube Brown. She has a question for you, and we have about maybe a minute left. Yeah, before we also have to jump in that call. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Beautiful, and I just, I really just want you to uh, uh, just be let the people know like who you are first of all, um, and you know, and the work that you're doing. But I just, um, I wanted to ask you. You started with the the London breed and what you feel like really is her. The, the hate that she has, she's internalized this this hate, which but it has consequences because now it's also the criminalization. Is that correct? I mean, it's like it's moved now into the real consequences for poor people um, and homeless people and criminalizing their very existence. Well, and also let's be very real too. That didn't start with London Breed. Right. Okay. Right. So, first of all, the criminalization of poverty and homelessness is clearly a plan in the United Snakes of America land. Ain't nothing new started under that colonial sun. Um, and then in the specific city and county of Frisco, as San Francisco, this is also not new. I mean, it started way back under Willie Brown, then going to Newsom, who started Care Not Cash, which is actually just a way to steal uh, poor people's, you know, little bit of crumb they got, and then moving on to Ed Lee, or Ed Lie, and all of his reign of terror against houseless folk. And, you know, interestingly enough, Ed Lie was also from the projects. He was mm. also from people. So I really see that the hate increased mm. when it became Ed Lie and uh, and Miss Breed. And I do, I do hate to say it, but sometimes us poverty scholars, our hate for ourselves and each other is much deeper than the so-called middle class out there, you know. And so we know how to stick to it because we know where we live, right? Yeah. And I see that that class hate in so many ways uh, with her. And it's actually kind of terrifying. Yeah. You know, it really is. And just to go back, um, who am I? I'm a poverty scholar, that houseless mama, that houseless daughter, spent literally my childhood from age 11 to 22, houseless from L.A. to Oakland to Frisco. Uh, mama was an orphan, she was disabled, and she could barely keep on keeping on in this hamster wheel called capitalism. But, you know, I ended up doing three months in Santa Rita for the act of being houseless and sleeping in my car with my mama when I turned 18. So that part, you know, and that's what happens. Not I'm not special. It happens every day in America, KKK, specifically lifting up Papa Bear. 
uh, who was houseless and black and got 286 violations, citations for being houseless in Frisco until he passed away at Geary and Van Ness from that abuse and Shannon Marie Bakley and so many more. So, yeah. Thank you so much for that, um, uh, Tiny. You know, I definitely, we got to get you back on this because you're talking about a psychology and an education of, of, of the self and the people that definitely we really need to make a shift on because we can't keep cycling this, uh, this self-hatred because you are- I you love you guys. Love you love too. All power to the people. All power to the people. That's I will right. talk to you soon. Nope. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Tiny. And we hope All to have right. you on very soon again so we, you can expound further on this pathology of hatred that's emanating apparently from Mayor Breed's office. Sad but true. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I ended up getting a last-minute phone call from Emolimo Shakur, and he's going to tell us about what's happening at Corcoran and San Quentin. Okay, yes, please. Okay. Um, start over with what y'all are doing from the inside. That's, we need to hear that. Okay, well, here at Corcoran, um, they said they were bringing inmates down from San Quentin, and a lot of the inmates are trying to refuse up there, so we're trying to do the same thing down here. Now, they were successful with bringing some down, and they put them on another yard. But, you know, with this COVID problem, it seems like inmates have to take more of matters into their own hands and just stand their ground because, as, as we well know, they don't care about us. You know, they're not going to fight for us. You have to fight for yourself. So mm -hmm. we're trying to work that out to where we can stop that. And we know it's not the prison doing it. It's Sacramento. So the only way to do that is um, voice your, your grievance to Sacramento. And while we have the lawyers, um, Gavin and Dean, them are, are overseeing a lot of things that's going on, that, you know, a few cats have been able to write directly to them and explain a lot of things of what's going on, you know, to kind of get our grievances, you know, out there. Then, you know, another thing that was successful, a couple of comrades sent me the, um, the latest that the UC Irvine, um, lawyers and professors wanted to do recordings about how bad the COVID system is going on in the prisons. So some of us wrote to them and some of us called them and gave phone interviews. And uh, I think that's a good step to let society know exactly how they're being, how we're being treated in here. I mean, it's bad enough we can't see our loved ones via the visiting room, you know, and you know, they do care. Uh, they let us off lockdown uh, Monday, but we're still doing the same program, which is in small sections, get data room for an hour and then yard for an hour. Yard is like, what, twice a week or something like that. So, you know, the program's back to that, but you see um, and feel still a little discouragement amongst the inmate population because, you know, uh, the lack of a... Uh, of a CO affection towards us. You know, they still don't wear their masks up all the way. They still conjugate and not six feet apart, you know. So, you know, we decided to just take matters in our own hand and try to care for ourselves the best that we can. Well, right. So what you're saying is, again, you're having to fight for your literal lives and you're not getting any help from them. No, I know that you say this over and over again, but I think people are conditioned to be okay with that to some degree, you know, that you, be, yeah. because if we start from the premise 
that you're not supposed to be getting these these rights and and be cared for anyway. This sentiment, oh, uh, you know, do the crime, you have to do the time, you know, and perfectly okay with your continued abuse. And uh, you know, you have to continually fight for your own lives because you're not going to get the help from the other side because they. Well, I don't, you know, because they don't care. They haven't. They've been convicted right, not to right. care. <laughs> you know, they're going to make this you call like, and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Quite for everything exactly. you get, and I know it makes you, yeah. you, you know, stronger and all that. But you could be spending your time doing other things. I'm sorry. Right. You know. Right. Right. Most definitely. You know, but you know, when 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 you know going in what kind of battle you face, it's easier for us to to fight it. And a lot of us who came out the shoe, we already know what's going on. So encouraging these others. Uh, the young, younger generation and, and, and others who don't, aren't really mentally strong or understand the psychological ramifications of what they do, it's building them up and instilling in them courage and strength and letting them know don't get down on yourself. You know, we got uh, one of the Southern Mexicans, he uh, works in the law library, he's the clerk, and he fights to get in there. And they, she makes at least once a week, she lets him come in to work, and she's starting to pull people in there a few at a time so they can be socially distanced so we can get some stuff done in the law library, letting them make copies so he can bring stuff back. Things like that, you know, I had to fight, me and myself, in the laundry room. We got a new supervisor now because I encouraged others to write up my old supervisor because she just wasn't trying to, to accommodate us with what we have coming, which is our own personal clothes and stuff like that. You know, and it got to the point where... We're telling her, look, we need an open line to get people clothes so people can change their clothes. I mean, we we come off the COVID twice now, and you haven't done nothing. So why do we got a captain on the yard who seems like leaning more towards us, and these officers don't want to get ridden up? I mean, they did move the ones, racist ones, off the yard, except for two of them, but we haven't seen them, so they could be also removed in somewhere else. We see that we have to we have to use those those openings that we're presenting so that we can make a difference. And that's what we're all doing. We're just stepping up, you know, little by little. You know, we're, we're coming together, not thinking about, you know, if it will uh, uh, hurt us. As long as it helps others, it's going to eventually help us. And keeping that mindset um, has been difficult at times because, you know, each ethnicity has their own problems within themselves that they're dealing with. So now by us implementing these different strategies and tactics that we're using, they're starting to see how we were able to, to come together in the shoe and win our freedoms from there, you know? Mm. And and that's that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. I'm not we're not meeting too much resistance from other inmates. Resistance is only from staff. And now we're starting to weaken them a little bit, you know, I believe. That is a beautiful thing to hear. I mean talk about all power to the people, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, the coming together is thank you for, again, to have it come from your mouth and also know that... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. That you are actively yeah. doing that. It's it, the, the coming yeah. together to get your needs met, to, uh, to um, get what's coming, get right. what you deserve right. in terms of your rights, and and your your daily needs met. Um, we we continually need to hear that out here as well because 
that's the work that, again, that we need to be mirroring, mirroring and doing with you. Um, and to, right, to right. hear coming from the, the inside out um, is just beautiful. And, you know, it's the day after the election, right? So the ballots are still being counted. How are y'all feeling right. in there about that? And are you staying healthy? Well, yeah, we're staying healthy. I'm staying healthy. Um, we're doing the best we can with that. Uh, as far as the ballots go, we're happy that Proposition 16, or was it 17 that passed? When we get a chance to vote now. Mm -hmm. 17? Okay, we're happy mm -hmm. about that. Uh, we're happy that Proposition 20 failed because that would have reversed Proposition 57, which we're happy that that passed because that allows us, um, when we even have violent offenses, to get, you know, treated fairly as far as getting released instead of dealing with the two strikes and the double of time that they give us. You know, when you have dates anyway and you want a person to do time for uh, uh, an offense they've already done time for, that's not a good thing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then we're, 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 we're also, we're not too disappointed about that big, that cash bill uh, prop that didn't pass. We know that it can help happen again later. Um, you got some people who are, you know, like, uh, well, maybe like CEOs who are capitalist-minded but don't really understand it. So they look at free marketing being a plus and business as being a thriving, especially if they can get their own little business up and going. So they want Trump to win. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, the all-right members or, or, or racist guards you want Trump to win. But, you know, for the most part, if we can get things done out there in society, um, get things done on the inside here, who wins that White House wouldn't really matter because it's, it still would be the lesser of two evils, you know, until we get people from our own community and our own, you know, society who is knowledgeable historically of what's been going on and who wants to implement actual real change so that we can, you know, become less oppressed, then, then we would feel happy if they start to run for these, these offices and these seats. You know, and, and, you know, that's mainly what we've been talking about. It's time for people, you know, to start running, you know, start going to schools and, and building campaigns and, and getting degrees in these other fields of study that will allow them to get into those seats, you know. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's mainly, mainly where we're at with. So uh, hopefully the turnout is still good and we do get a lot of, a lot of gains, but, uh, if Trump wins, we know it's going to be because he sabotaged or did something. I mean, I, I hear he's already trying to get a recount in the whole other state. So <laughs> you know how it goes. When you're dealing with the 1%, they're going to always play dirty, you know. But uh, we just hope that it turns out it turns out favorable for us, the people, you know. And um, unfortunately, I can't finish this conversation. They're flashing me. I will get a chance to call again within the next couple of days. Might be afternoon, could be at night, just depends. You never know how they're going to run this program. But um, I will call again soon, and we can finish finish this discussion. And, and anything else you have you want the people to know about, sis, I'm, I'm all for it. You know that. Of course. Thank you so much, Emily. I'm, so, I'm always happy that you call, telling me, first, that you call because you're not on lockdown, and secondly, that you're calling and you're still healthy and uh, just moving forward. I'm always grateful for that. And, of course, yes, we always want to hear what you have to say and have to share with us. Uh, so that we can uh, work in Ubuntu, shared humanity. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Same to you, sis. You know, I've got love for you.
tell the brother Malik, I'll send my love, and you guys take care, and I'll talk to you again soon. All right, beautiful. We love you, too, and Malina. Take care until the next time. All right. Okay, that is our show. Please join the social media campaign to liberate our caged elders. Use the hashtag liberate our caged elders and get ready for work week with Steve Seltzer.